fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and of course, beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute weekly segments. Your host is Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. Ted has over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. He started his career in the field and worked his way up to safety director. Ted also coaches football and knows how important it is to communicate expectations and work together both at work and at play. With this as Ted's background, he is excited to share some of his experiences with you and to improve your career and your company. Our guest today is Wyatt Bradbury. Wyatt serves as a health and safety environmental advisor for Hitachi Rail, serving projects throughout the United States. He has experience in aquatic and recreation risk management, electrical construction, power line safety, rail safety, and safety consulting. Mr. Bradbury holds a CSP, ASP, CHST, and a CIT certifications from the Board of Certified Safety Professionals and is graduating with a Master's of Engineering in Advanced Safety Engineering and Management from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Wyatt is a past president of the National Capital Chapter on the Education and Training Committee under the Council on Regional Affairs and is on the Planning Committee of the Mid-Atlantic Construction Safety Conference. He is also a member of the Emerging Professionals Common Interest Group. Wyatt currently serves as the National Capital Chapter Delegate and as the Assistant Regional Vice President of Communications for Region 6. He regularly travels the country speaking at local and regional professional development conferences and is a frequent contributor to Professional Safety Journal. Wyatt was awarded the 2020 National Safety Council Rising Star of Safety Award. Please welcome Wyatt Bradbury to our podcast. Hey, Wyatt, how are you doing today? Good, how are you, Ted? I am doing great. We're just happy to have you on Ted Speaks Live today. Excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you as well. It's going to be a fun session. Oh, yeah. I can definitely feel the vibe. When you have people that are passionate about safety, like everybody that's listening and yourself, I love this. Can you kind of share a little bit about your background, Wyatt, in your career with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of fell into safety. No pun intended. Like a lot of other folks out <laughs> Kaboom, huh? That might be better than our jokes at the end. So, so you weren't tied <laughs> off is what you're telling us, Wyatt, huh? Uh, <laughs> well, I started in college, actually. I had just gone out of the military and I was starting to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I thought it was engineering. That wasn't really working out for me, at least in undergrad, graduating with my master's in engineering now. So it's kind of a thick joke. But I started training, doing some training for the Red Cross and, and working in aquatic and recreation risk management and safety. And from there, just realized I had a passion for training, really had a passion for helping people learn, helping people identify risks and be prepared to mitigate those risks. And really from there, started then working in construction while I was finishing up my undergrad, got into some consulting, and now I'm working in rail safety. So it's kind of been a long career. There's been a lot of different things that I've learned, but I've really grown throughout the entire process. And it really has been more of a journey than anything else. So I think that's probably one of the more important things is don't see your career as a destination so much as kind of a journey that you're on. In rail, that's really what kind of got safety started, right? I mean, the rail companies felt that there were way too many injuries and they were kind of the pioneers, if you will, of safety. That's interesting. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, they were one of the first industries to really start 
with safety because of the high volume of injuries that were occurring there. We learn something new every day. Absolutely. I like what you said about your love for training. I think sometimes when people hear I'm a safety professional or what have you, they don't realize that mentoring and training and working with people is such a big deal. It's not just going around telling people what to do or what not to do, but it's that interaction. And training is not always an easy task. So you really do need to love and enjoy that to be good at it. And be on the A game every day, which is tough. Right, exactly. Well, and I have an article coming out in spring of 2021 that actually kind of goes into teaching and coaching and how those relate to training. So we'll do another podcast once that article is out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I know that you've talked about the term system. Can you just define what a system is in the world of safety? Yeah. So a system, and I'm pulling this straight from Merriam-Webster, but a system is a regularly interacting or independent group of items that form a unified whole. Okay. So I encourage you to Google that and find that definition. But I think what's important, and it's important to kind of break that down because you hear that, you're like, okay, great. Textbook definition, what does it actually mean? Well, I think a few key words stand out. The pieces of a system must interact with one another and have some sort of interdependent relationship. The pieces need to form a unified whole. So if a system were to be pulled apart into individual pieces, it would no longer meet the criteria of being interacting and interdependent or a unified whole. And the pieces must be designed to work with one another. So it's kind of like my favorite example is saying, hey, I want to build the ultimate car and I'm stealing this, by the way. This isn't mine. (laughs) We'll give you credit for a while, though, okay? (laughs) Well, so I'm going to go, Ferrari makes the best engine. So I'm going to choose the Ferrari engine. And hey, I'm going to choose the best Goodyear tire. And I'm going to choose the best transmission. And I'm just going to take all those best of items and put them together to try to build a car. It's not going to work because those items aren't designed to work together in that fashion. I also think we have to make sure that we're looking at systems from a perspective that meets these criteria, or there's a risk that we're actually just looking at elements in isolation, which really inhibits our understanding of those points of intersection, particularly between socio and technical systems. And that's the key. We look in society, we've got socio and technical systems, right? So our technical being the operation that we're building or performing or working on and our socio being our people. And it's those intersection points, right? Between where our people intersect with our systems that we tend to have issues. That's one of those kind of critical points that we need to evaluate as safety professionals. Yes, I would agree. Going into that, what are the various levels of a system, the complexity, and are there more examples of those type of systems? Yeah, so there's kind of three that I like to use. So the first is your simple system. And this is something like a pen, right? So a pen, you click it to open, you click it to close, or you twist it or what have you. And then there's various levels of different styles and types from there. But a simple system, it's something just like a pen. You've got something that's a complicated system. That's something like a boat, a car, a plane. And when I say those, I mean without the human interaction. So they're really just technical systems, not the socio-technical at that point. At that point, you've got many different systems, many different elements that are working together. And you've got nested systems, you've got subsystems, you've got multiple points of redundancy. So as soon as you have those kind of characteristics, all of a sudden you've moved into a complicated system. Then you have the complex system. Complex systems are your socio-technical. They're your wildfires, war, Kobayashi Maru, right? Those are kind of the sexy examples that I have. <laughs> and really just society overall, right? As soon as we're looking at society or management systems or people systems, (laughs) anything that's got 
really a lack of control, a lack of predictability. Now we've moved into that complex. And it's key that professionals understand this because depending on what system you've worked in is going to kind of impact your approach. If you've identified the wrong system, you might be operating in a way or have a perspective that is going to severely impact your ability to perform at a high level. And I could mm-hmm. spend hours. In fact, I wrote a whole, my final paper on my master's is all on systems and complexity in their relation to decision-making. I've got a whole presentation on it. So we can obviously deep dive on that. But a high level, those are the examples of a system. Yeah, I think I'd have to stick to the simple one. That's more <laughs> on my level there, Wyatt. <laughs> but no, that I think everything that you are saying, you know, that makes sense of how we're going to keep people safe, right? It's about the system. So how does that kind of fall into safety management? You kind of explained the three systems and can you relate it then to safety management? Yeah, so safety management systems, so that's your Z10, your 45,001, as two examples, are made up of many smaller parts and pieces and they have to function as a whole. So you've got your inspection process, you've got your hazard analysis process, your investigation process, your corrective action planning, et cetera, et cetera, all those different things that make up your safety program. Well, if you're going to have a safety management system, they all need to be coming together. They all need to be working together, meshing together. They need to feed into one another. They can't just be separate policies or in silos. They need to be blended together and supporting one another to develop a lifestyle of safety. So in the same way that we now have an understanding of systems, we now need to drive that same understanding to the way that we look at our greater safety program and make sure that we have not independent silos or independent functions, but we really do have a comprehensive management system. So they're flowing together, right? I mean, we have to make sure that they're all flowing together, as you're saying. Yeah, and I just finished supporting, I was a graduate teaching assistant for a class that used the Z10 standard. Okay. I think one of the biggest challenges that I saw the students have was that they kept trying to look at things in isolation. Mm, They didn't understand the interconnectedness. They didn't understand the need for these things to flow from one another. And they didn't necessarily see some of that same kind of, that same flow, that same generation, that same kind of approach where one item is going to push you or progress you to another. They wanted to really look in isolation. I think that's one of the challenges for safety professionals, kind of get out of that binary or siloed thinking. So when you give that example of you saw kind of the students looking at things individually or as you said, in isolation. Do you think that's just kind of a lack of experience, not being able to meld that together? And then when you are kind of working with people, how is a good way to teach them how to make all the components work together? Not everyone sees that big picture. Well, so I think it's important that it's designed that way. And there's some intentionality to it. It's when you're starting to look at something like a management of change process, It's really easy to just say, hey, this is the process. This is how you do it. This is what you do. It's much harder, especially when you're trying to learn it or you're trying to do it, to then look at the impacts that that has elsewhere. And I use management of change intentionally because that is one of those items that is really there to kind of drive some of that cross-functional or programmatic cross-process elements within your safety management system. So I think some of it is just how are you designing it? How are you looking at it? As we start to look at systems overall, you really have to take a step back and you really do have to look from a high-level perspective to the low. I think one of the challenges is folks want to start pulling things apart. If something's broken, if my car's broken, 
people want to, hey, let me fix this. Let me pull it apart to find the thing that doesn't work and then try to put it all back together. Well, that might work in a simpler, complicated system, but in something complex, that can't happen. Things aren't designed that way. You have to have some intentionality and you have to look really cross-functionally at the greater impacts that are had. And as far as teaching it, I think some of it is, I don't know if teaching it's the right word. I think some of it is just making sure that when you're reading these standards or you're looking through a safety program or you're designing and building one, because there's all different stages of maturity with that. Are you looking at the impacts that one has to another? Are you looking at how you can blend things together? Or are you really trying to say, hey, I'm looking at this in isolation. I'm really trying to be very specific on this one element. And in some cases with maturity, you might come to a point where it's like, hey, we've got a lot of different programs. We're really squared away. There's just a couple corrective actions. That's very different from someone who's trying to design a system or take a program, right? You have a safety manual, you have some policies and procedures, and you're trying to now build that into a comprehensive system. So the concept of systems that kind of clarifies things and makes sense, and it sounds like it's very important for safety professionals to kind of utilize this idea of systems. Do you think it's a common thought process right now? Obviously, it's something that you are passionate about and explaining it to our listeners. Do you think a lot of safety professionals look at things this way or do you think it is dependent on the individual? Well, I think it's dependent on the background because I learned, I I did not approach things in a systems mindset my whole career. Mm -hmm. When I started doing my master's, which is in engineering, well, engineers look at things in a very systematic process. That's how they approach it. Yeah. So that's where this kind of understanding came from was through looking at things through more of an engineering mindset than a traditional safety or programmatic mindset. But I think when you start looking at management systems, so your Z10, your 45,001, that's where there's definitely some more blend and crossover. But I think at that point, especially someone who's got a lot of experience or has already been trained in it, you're not looking at it through the perspective that it's intended to be looked at. All of a sudden now you're trying to approach it from what you know, because we always progress from the known to the unknown. So you're trying to progress it from this mindset of, hey, programs and policies when it's not. You need to look at systems that then kind of go the opposite direction. So systems going down into programs, processes, and integration, as opposed to trying to go from programs and processes to then build back up. That makes sense. Yeah, that, so your engineering background kind of helped you apply this thought process to safety. Yeah, it's definitely something that I've had to... It was a learning curve and something that I've had to kind of progress toward. But I think there's some value in looking at our problems through different perspectives, one of these being the engineering, because that's what they work in. They work in systems. They're kind of the experts on systems. And there's something that we as safety professionals can really learn from them on that front. I think that's a very interesting perspective. And when you really dig down into it, you're exactly right. You got to look at the system. And the more that you can have that flow with the other parts of the organization, the more successful you're going to be. Absolutely. Kind of like you said, too, looking at it when you're a system, it's not just one. And when you're looking at it through the eyes of others to try to gain a better understanding, that obviously is really going to help a safety program in an organization grow. Right. As you know, that this show is really about trying to help all of us in safety, right? All of us learn. Every episode, I have learned something, and I really appreciate that. In your great career that you've had so far as a safety professional, what is one piece of advice that you may want to give to a person that is going down the safety career of uh, being able to be a safety professional? 
Well, I'm going to kind of stay on topic with our systems conversation. There's a lot of different things that I could say to answer that question, but I'm mm-hmm. going to stay kind of on the same mindset today. Okay. I think the key is really to make sure you're taking a step back and starting to look at your organization, the work that's taking place. So what's actually kind of happening on the pointy end of the sphere, operations and people as if they are in a system. But that's not to say we want to look at our people as if they're robots, but let's look at them kind of in the context of the system and what's happening around them. Look at your safety program and try to see it from a systems mindset, right? Using that definition, some of those key points that I identified. Are there inefficiencies? Are there areas where there's not flow from one portion to another? Are there silos? Is there isolation? Where are your points of socio-technical interaction? And also, are we judging or supporting learning and adaptation at the point of work? So there's Todd Conklin does this great thing where one of his recent podcasts was from earlier, uh, I think it was the summer or this fall, He's talking about whether people make bad choices or have bad choices. So are we judging our people or are we supporting their learning and adaptation as they're at the point of work? And a systems mindset is going to let you see that so much clearer. And looking through this lens is going to make you more effective as a professional and really a lot less emotional without necessarily being detached. So I think really trying to just kind of adopt some of this mindset. Obviously, there's so much more reading, so much more learning. I did a whole master's program on this, so (laughs) there's a long way to go. But kind of at a high level, just taking a step back and trying to see the systems that are operating around you and looking at the world through a systems mindset and maybe not where are your people doing something, but where are people maybe being forced or where is your organization being forced based on the other competing factors at play? And like you said, this is kind of a complex concept, but it's very helpful. And it sounds like you've just helped us touch the surface of it. Now, you said that you have an article coming out in April of 2021. There's one in February and one in April, I believe. I can't remember which one is which, but there's two different articles that will be coming out in Professional Safety Journal. One is related to really the need for professionals to be stepping in and supporting high school and college days workers, really the very young of our young workforce using some of my experiences and dangerous situations when I was growing up, really just working part-time jobs in high school and college. And the other was is related to training and coaching and kind of teaching versus coaching and how that relates to our training and our learning for our employees. Well, thank you very much. We have one last question that we want to ask you. Uh, before that, I just want to thank you for your service to the country too, Wyatt. We really appreciate all that you have given to make our country safe. Thank you. Our last question, though, is how can people get a hold of you with any questions or concerns that they may have? Well, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Type in my name, Wyatt Bradbury. You'll see me there. Shoot me a message. We can connect on there. And from there, we can take it offline. But the best way to get a hold of me is definitely going to be LinkedIn. Sounds good. Well, great. Well, now comes the best part of the show, I always think. Oh, I don't know if it's the best. (laughs) Yeah, Barb, for some reason, doesn't agree with me on this. But anyway, we got to get to our jokes. As you know, I'm the positive safety coach and always trying to make a little humor in everything that we do because I truly believe that if we keep things light, we're going to be more successful in all of our careers. So... Are you ready, Wyatt? I guess is the big question. I don't know. Should I do it? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think you can ever be ready for Ted's jokes. (laughs) So we'll see. Okay, so I am going to read the first one. I'm not going to take credit for this, though, but we'll see how this goes. This is kind of a little story. A man named Bob had a little accident. He slipped on a banana peel and ended up fracturing his skull. Who's at fault in this situation? And it's multiple choice. So you got an easy one. So you just got to guess at one of these. Okay. So Bob slipped on a banana peel. A, is it Bob who threw the banana peel on the floor? B, Bob's floor wax manufacturer. C, 
the banana importer, D, the grocery store that sold them, E, the newspaper that ran the ad for the bananas, or F, the banana farmer that grew them? Any thoughts on that deep question? You didn't think it would get your mind going like that, huh? (laughs) Well, they do say root cause is just the point at which you decide to stop. So I think you've (laughs) definitely proven that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our answer is Bob, who threw the banana peel on the floor. Maybe he needs to take accountability. But if you answered any of the other ones, you're probably Bob's lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One last one? Yep, one last one. one (laughs) Just just one more, we promise. (laughs) Yeah. What do you call a guy who falls down all the time? Give it to me. Trip. (laughs) (laughs) Like the name, Trip. (laughs) Capital T. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very Ending much. on that note, yes. yes. We'll end this podcast. But I want to thank you so much, Wyatt, and looking forward to speaking with you again here in the spring, but when your articles come out and we'll do a follow-up. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. I think our listeners will too. Absolutely. We always say if our listeners can get one thing out of every podcast, that is success. And I think today we got more than one thing. That's yep, for sure. definitely. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I look forward to future conversations we can have. Thanks for listening to TED Speaks Live with Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out through email at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com if you'd like to know more about our podcast or if you're interested in being a guest. Feel free to check us out at healthandsafetynow.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week for our next episode. Have a super safe week. 